morning church and we're going to come around God's word again this morning and let's do that by coming to the Lord and praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your most precious word. As we're going to see this morning, Lord, help us, Lord God, to engage in your word, having the understanding that by doing so and by looking at your word and reading your word and outworking your word in our lives, that that brings change for good. So Lord, help us in our study this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The last time we looked at the book of Nehemiah, we looked at chapter 7 and we saw how chapter 7 is right central in the very book of Nehemiah. And we taught this and we saw this, that the first part of the book was all about how the people existed for the walls. And now as we enter into the second half of the book, we're going to see how the walls are existing for the people of God as they were living in Jerusalem. Just to remind us, in chapter 7, we learnt how that Nehemiah had enlisted help. You can't build anything for the Lord by on one man. You have to build it together and we all must play our part to build the kingdom of God. He also established citizenship. You know, you can't build if you don't know who's with you and who's for you and who's going to work with you. That's why many churches of membership, that's why at East Point we have partnership, that we know who we have to do this work and this work is done together to build strong and good for the Lord. And the third thing that we learned was how he encouraged worship because worship is much more than our singing. We have to give our all and the Lord wants us to give our all to the work of God. In chapter 8, we then go on to learn how these people had a new beginning, a fresh start by going back actually to the old ways, a new beginning by going back to the old ways. They make God's word central in their lives once again. And you know, the amazing thing is we have seen throughout history when God's people get back to putting God's word at the very center of their lives, there are revivals that have broken out because of this. And the lovely thing about chapter eight we learn is this. It wasn't that they were encouraged or the minister came along and implored them to get back to God's word. They themselves realized they needed to hear God's word again. And they themselves called on God's servant Ezra to start to teach them again from God's precious word. And you know, if we think back to what the Lord said to another of his great servants, Joshua, if we think of what he said to him, it'll help us understand why we need God's word central to our lives. Listen to Joshua 1 and 8. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate upon it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. If we're going to see change in our lives, if we're going to see change in the community that we serve, we then need to keep God's word very much in the centre of our hearts. 
there's a story told of a young lawyer who lived in the time of the Wild West and we can remember those from, if you like, the old Western movies of the Wild West and we can think about how bad things were and how crazy things were. Well, this young um, lawyer decided that he didn't want to be anywhere where there was Christians and Bibles and churches and Sunday schools, so he decided to go off to the Wild West. He was only there a year when he wrote to his friend who he went to school with, who had then become a minister. And he wrote him to say, will you please come out here and bring lots of Bibles? He decided that after living there for a year, a place without Christians, Sunday school and God's word was not a place to live. In fact, what he said was this. He says it was too much like hell for anyone to stay in. If we want to see good places with great things happening, we need to keep God's word set and central in our lives for fresh beginnings, for new starts, for building up of people. God's word must be in the centre of our lives. Not only do we see that they make the call, but they come together as one and they stand and they listen to God. And the place that they stood was the water gate. In Acts 2, we also see that they were in one place, in one accord, when the Spirit of God fell upon them. And we know as we read on in Acts 2 that the Spirit of God coming upon them just made them more devoted to God's precious Word. And we previously learned as we taught on Nehemiah chapter 3 that the water gate was representative of God's Word. And the gate before the water gate on the west side of the wall is the fountain gate. So before, if you were going north on the west side, before you would get to the word, you had to go through or past the gate that was represented. The fountain gate what represents the spirit of God and the water gate that represents the word of God. And you know, friends, what this teaches is this, how we need the Spirit of God and the Word of God both in our lives, because the Spirit of God teaches us what the Word of God says. And we also know from history that just beside the water gate, there were some wells that were found um, by some of the Jewish um, archaeologists. They're mikvahs, and um, they were called baptismal pools. And it is thought that that's where the 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost would have been baptised. You see, when friends, when people listen to the Spirit of God through the Word of God, we see the people start to follow and disciples of God are made. These people came together. They came together in one place, in one accord, and they received God's Word. And I just want to encourage you in these days, these strange days. Even though we're now starting to see a wee bit of a relaxation and some of the stuff that's going on and quarantine, but it could be a wee while until we get back to where church really was before. But I want to encourage you in these days to keep coming together round God's Word. Even if that isn't a Zoom call, you come together round God's Word because we still need to keep God's word very central in our lives. They came together 
But we also see in verse 2 that there was not just the dedication for them to stand from the morning to the rest of the day to hear God's word, but there was an aptitude to understand. And you know, friends, we need not just to hear. Hearing's one thing, but we also need to understand. And if you don't understand what is being said, it's okay to ask someone to sit with you and explain it a wee bit more. Because if we don't understand God's word, we will never then be able to apply God's word to our life. And we need to be able to have comprehension of what God's saying. And we see these people did so much so that they were able to exclaim, Amen and Amen. And you know, when you hear people say Amen in church, when the preaching of the word is being spoken, Not only will that encourage the person who is speaking, but it's actually an act of praise. Because when somebody is saying amen, they're basically saying, so let it be. They're saying an act of praise that they are in agreement with God's word. And that comes out of an understanding of God's word. So there is the aptitude, there is the agreement of God's word, but out of that there also must become an application of God's word from our lives. And as we look in chapter 8 and we go through chapter 8, we actually see that these people, because of the reading of God's word, had to change some things. They had been fasting and repentance. But they realised at that worship time, they should have been feasting and thanking God for all that God had brought them through. They also had realised that they had forgotten something. That at this period of worship, they should have been building booths and some of those booths would have been built in the flat roofs of their home and it was to represent the time that they came through the wilderness. It was a time where they would go back outside and live outdoors and during that period of time, they would recount to the next generation all that the Lord did for them and how the Lord was good to them as they came out of Egypt. God's word reminded them of what they should be doing. And friends, for us as well, if we're not in the word, if we're not reading the word, if we're not reminded of what God is saying, we can very easily miss out all that the Lord wants us to do. It is so important for us to experience new beginnings, fresh beginnings, growth, and to experience a building up that we are in God's word. I think Hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 to 14 is a very sad piece of scripture and it says this. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You see, the key is for us to be strong in the Lord. There needs to be constant use. They trained themselves through constant use of God's word. And that's the type of people we want to be. People who will be in the word, will use the word, will know the word, will speak the word, will live the word in our lives. Do you know, I know people 
who will travel the length and the breadth of the country, will even hop on a plane to go to other countries for someone to speak a prophetic word over their lives. And yet, when you ask them to come to a Bible study, you'll not see them for dust. Friends, I love it when God's servants speak words of encouragement and blessing and direction over our lives. I have had words spoken over me that have meant great things for me and have helped me along the way. But unless we are grounded in his word, we have nothing to measure those words up to because it all starts in God's written word. Church, I want to encourage you today. Engage in his word. Remember what James said about not going to a mirror and forgetting our reflection? And how easy we can all fall at this. It's like ticking a box. Maybe we read our daily devotion and tick that box, we've done it. But five minutes later, if we were to be asked, what did we read? What did we learn from God's word? We can't remember because we haven't really taken the time to hear what God is saying to us and to do what he's telling us to do. You know, the Lord said himself, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. And if we love God, we need to hear what he's commanding us. And we need to fulfill those commands and we need to do it. It all starts in his words. For us to have new beginnings, fresh starts, see growth of building up, we need to go back to the old way, the old way of God's word and do what God's word is telling us to do. You know, another interesting fact about this gate, the water gate, is this. We know from Nehemiah chapter 3 that it was the gate that didn't have to be repaired, unlike some of the other gates. And that suggests to us that the word of God stands forever, that it will not fail, that it is perfect. Psalm 119 and 89 says this, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. God's word does not need to be repaired or improved or added to we can trust it. Friends, we need to keep God's word central in our life. We need to have that aptitude. We need to have agreement of God's word and we need to apply God's word to our life. But if there's one thing that I want to teach you this morning and one thing that we really need to be sure about today is another A and it's the authority of God's word. Friends, if we don't understand the authority of God's word and believe that God's word is authoritative, then friends, it can even bring our declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord into compromise. You know, when I was a very young minister in the first church, we had a lovely gentleman who would come and stay with us and preach for us and minister for us. He was an evangelist, a Scottish evangelist by the name of Alex T. He was a great man of God and a great source of encouragement for us in our very early days of ministry and what we were doing over in Scotland. I remember saying to me one day, he says, Stevenson, you will deal with situations in your lifetime that I have never had to deal with in my experience of ministry. At East Point Church, we believe this. 
We believe the Bible, which is being accepted canon of Scripture, is fully inspired, inerrant, and authoritative Word of God. We believe that it is the final supreme authority for all people and church in all areas of human behaviour, including marriage, family, sexuality, morality, and ethics. And you know, I now understand what Alex meant. Because in these days, we are now seeing people who say they profess Christ, that they are Christians, and yet they just take chunks out of God's word. They believe this part, but not that part. They will cut this part out to suit their lifestyle or their lifestyle of their friends. They will not want to offend people. So therefore, they will disregard what the word of God says due to the fear of man rather than fear of the living God. It is important that we believe the authority of God's word. Let's go back to chapter 8 and verse 1, which is really the central part of what we're talking about this morning. It says, All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. These guys acknowledge the human authorship of Moses here. But they're also acknowledging and emphasizing the authority of God and God's word. He instructed them for their good through Moses. The Bible is truly the word God has spoken. And it is vital we realize that the word has authority precisely because of the one who has spoken it. And there is a significant um, explanation of this theme in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13. And open your Bible there, 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13. And Paul describes the way in which the believers received the gospel. And then this very key explanation of apostolic authority, we see how um, it can transform our whole attitude to the Bible. Let us read 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13. It says this, We thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you that believe. Now, there are four things I want us to catch from this verse of scripture this morning. And the first one is that again, it's authority. It is the word of God. It originates from God. You know, when Moses wrote the law, he could write it because it was given to him from God as he sought God up the mountain. But he knew God's voice. He knew God's word. He had face-to-face -face experience. But more than that, when God told Moses to do things beforehand, even when he was taking God's people out of Egypt, when God said something would be done, he knew it would happen because God spoke. When Jesus lived and he was in the desert, and there's a human being in the desert and he was tempted by the enemy and the enemy would come and try him to, to take him off his path. Jesus spoke the Father's word and even the enemy had to back off because of the truth of who that word was from. 
He had to flee from him. And friends, it's only when we believe the authority of God's word in our lives can we see things change for good. It is because of who has spoken it. It comes from God. It is God's word. Therefore, it must be obeyed. There's also power in God's word, as we see here in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13. It says, which is in work in you who believe. It's powerful, precise, because it is God's word. And we should never drive a wedge between the written word and the author of the one who spoke. It is God's word. It is one. By God's spirit, it is powerful, it's life-giving, and it is life-transforming. And we could translate the end of the verse by saying, it goes on working in those who go on believing. When God speaks, things happen. When he said, let there be light, there is light. When Jesus stood on the boat and the waves and the wind were making a, such a racket around about him, when he said, peace be still, it happened. When he said to the blind, I see, they saw. When he said to those who couldn't speak, speak, they were able to speak. When he said to those who couldn't walk, get up and walk, they walked. Because of the authority of his word. When he said, your sins are forgiven, you are forgiven. Because of the authority of his word. And it's when we know his word and appropriate God's word for the will of God in our lives. That's when we see change for good in us. By knowing the word, by practicing the word, by obeying the word, we see life transformation. New beginnings by going to the old way of God's old book, God's word in our lives. And then there's the reception of God's word here is the third thing. Paul thanks the Thessalonian believers who accepted it as God's word. He uses two words in verse 13. They received the word. In other words, they heard it, but also they accepted. In other words, they made a friend of it. They made a friend of God's word. It became a part of who they were. And then there's a fourth thing we learn. We learn about the impact. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9, we see how Paul describes how these people leave their idols and their own lives to follow God. There's a transformation because they take on God's word in their lives. There's another story from America's past and it was the time of the Civil War. And there was a chaplain who was ministering to a wounded soldier. And he says to this wounded soldier, can I read something to God's word to you? And the guy that was lying so wounded said, I would rather have a drink. And the chaplain gave him a drink of water. And then he said to him, do you have anything to put under my head as a pillow? And the chaplain to go off his overcoat, he rolled it up and he placed it onto the man's head. And the man said, I'm cold, have you anything to keep me warm? And then the chaplain took off his coat and he put his coat round, the jacket round this man. And the man looked at him and he said, if there's anything in that book that would make you do what you've done for me, then please read the word to me. God's word brings transformation in us. 
that we can see transformation in other gods. Transformating word is not just a, a propositional, cold truth that is remote. But when God's word is spoken and acted upon, we see things happening because it is his word. And these people who stood before Ezra and Nehemiah on this day started to see a major shift in their lives because they made God's word central. And the question to us today, church, is this. Where is God's word in our lives? Are we keeping God's word central? Are we willing to read the word, to study the word? Do we love the word? Are we practicing the word? Are we doing the word? Are we come blasé about God's word in our life? Maybe today we need to come and repent of that and ask the Lord to forgive us again and start to put God's word back in the very center of our lives, to follow it, to read it, to love it, to cherish it, to work it out, that we can see new beginnings in us again. We can see revival in our hearts again, that we can see us seeing transformation in ourselves and then in those that we walk with, all because we give God's word that special place in our lives. I don't know who wrote this, but I just saw this during the week and it says this, someone somewhere is depending on you to do what God has called you to do. And you know, friends, if we don't know God's word, we'll never do what we should be doing. And if we're not doing what God has called us to do, we will never impact those around about us. Church, let's keep God's word central in our lives for the sake of those that we walk with and walk among, that they can see the transformation power of our God in us that can be in them also. May God bless his word to you today. And church, this week can encourage you to link in in every opportunity with God's word. Amen.